you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hey there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I am Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to successfully delivering retail transformation. Thanks for tuning in. This one is episode number 123, number 123. And today we continue our journey through the world of data. Over the past few episodes, we've been exploring several different sides of data and insight and modeling. But there's a really huge topic that we've not touched on yet, which is why I'm really excited about today's episode. And that is all about building integrity and trust into your data through data governance. Now, maybe you're thinking data governance doesn't sound too sexy. But listen, if you've got the wrong data, you're using it to make the wrong decisions. And that could be, frankly, awful. So to help us understand how we can do data governance to make sure that we're looking at the right numbers and using the right numbers in our business, I'm very pleased to welcome a special guest who is the leading data governance training provider and coach in the UK, Nicola Ascom. Nicola holds a really unique level of experience in data governance, 18 years worth specifically on this topic. And she's got a powerful methodology, which we're going to explore today to help you implement data governance or improve data governance. Maybe you've already started and you know there's some room for improvement, or maybe data governance is a whole new topic for you. Either way, I think there are some great lessons to be learned in this particular episode that could really help you to transform your data and in turn transform the wider organization. Nicola's worked with a number of major organizations, some huge retailers, as well as other businesses in financial services, in manufacturing, defense, higher education, utilities, publishing, and media as well. So really broad experience, but also one that helps to take different learnings and opportunities between them. So there's a chance for all industries to learn the best practice from each other. The show notes for today's episode are going to be at obandco.uk slash 123. That's obandco.uk slash 123. So I hope you're excited to dive into this. Here's my conversation with Nicola Ascom. So today I'm really excited to welcome Nicola Ascom to the Retail Transformation Show. Nicola, welcome. How are things? Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, really good. Thank you. Seems to be a very um, a good time to be in data, I think. Well, it's absolutely a huge topic right now. We've got so many different retailers that are looking in at their big data strategy, looking at their small data strategy, and really understanding, what am I going to do with all of this data that I'm collecting? You know, e-commerce companies are loaded with data, and increasingly physical stores are generating more data as well. So there's this hoard of data, but you can't just sit on it and hope it's all okay. There is this very important topic, which we're really excited to dive into today, all about data governance. So Nicola, let's just bring people up to speed. What do we mean by data governance? 
Yeah, I love the fact that you said it's exciting. I think it's an exciting topic and I'm very passionate about it, but it really sounds boring, doesn't it? And it sounds like <laughs> what we're going to do is lock down all the data so that nobody can use it. And then it's almost like the opposite. Data governance is all about enabling people to use their data for the right things and make the right decisions. So it supports a number of different data management disciplines. But the primary reason that you would do data governance is to improve the quality of your data and also to understand your data. Because I see, you know, lots of people have all sorts of problems because of the quality of their data. But some organizations have problems because the, the data is not necessarily that poor quality, but it's just not what they think it is. And they're using it for the wrong purposes and making the wrong decisions as a result. Yeah, I can imagine that gets very messy and retailers increasingly have these huge data lakes uh, of, of unstructured data and data warehouses as well. If you're looking at a set of data thinking it's one thing, <laughs> it's the wrong thing, that could be disastrous, couldn't it? Oh, it could be. And I, and I know people who have made decisions to close down parts of their business based on data that wasn't what they thought it was. Oh, my goodness. So you, you, you hear of lots of, you know, annoying things or silly things that happen, but some major decisions get made. I'm a, I'm a bit of an optimist, an eternal optimist. Um, and I, think, I like to think that people don't make the wrong decisions deliberately. I agree. But I think a lot of people make the wrong decisions because they've been given the wrong data. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Because as we're becoming more data-driven, Leaning on our, our gut feel and experience, perhaps a little bit less because we're we're waiting up what the data says. If we're making the wrong call based on that, that's it's a chronic moment. I could imagine myself going white with fear if that happened to me. To be honest, yeah, and I and I and I think you know it, it's just not something you want to do. Particularly, you know, you know the economic times now are more challenging than ever, and you don't want to be making the wrong decision that's going to impact adversely on your on your company. Mm. Totally, totally. So let's help make this a little bit tangible for people. What does data governance look like? What are the sort of the core aspects of of data governance? Yeah, so I mean, I you can find all sorts of things if you Google, but I t try to take a very simple approach to data governance, be very practical about it, because this has got to work. And as I said, this isn't about locking everything down. So I think that a data governance framework has three things. We have a policy to say that we are going to manage our data properly, because I can tell you from experience, if you do it just as a best practice, and I think we should do this thing, you'll, you'll get so far. And then somebody will say, oh, Nicola, that was flavor of the month, but we've got this, you know, in case you didn't notice, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, and we don't want to play around with this data governance thing. So if you're really serious about managing your data as an asset, you need a policy mm. that says that our organization has decided and mandating that we're managing our data properly. So that's the boring foundational bit. Even I think some bits of data governance are boring and the policies. <laughs> Kind of one of them, but it's very, very necessary. But then what we need to do is to have some processes because if we don't have processes, I can talk to you and inspire you to worry about the quality of your data. But if we don't have a process, you could go and fix some data, but you could fix it in a way that causes a problem to somebody else downstream who uses that data. So we need to have some consistent processes so we're all doing things in the same way in the mm. same manner. But more importantly than that, we need to have some roles and responsibilities. I mean, I've been doing data governance for 18 years now, and I have never yet been told by somebody that we shouldn't do data governance. Okay. Because when you explain it, everybody goes, well, that makes sense. Clearly, we should do it. But they tell me why they can't do it right now, because they're busy, there's other things going on, there's other priorities. 
or they they think it's absolutely the most brilliant idea. We absolutely should have this, but they don't think they should do it. Mm. It should be somebody else. Let me just riff off that, Nicola. How many companies do you get that say, actually, you know what? We're doing a perfect job with our data. (laughs) Um, In my experience, nobody's ever told me that. (laughs) (laughs) And if anybody is listening to this and and thinks they're doing a really good job with, with data governments, I would love to talk to them. I'd love to perhaps do an interview with them on my blog because, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, there are some companies that you see and then particularly who you're a customer of and you think they must be doing a good job. So, I mean, I'm an Ocado customer and I've always been impressed as a customer what I think their data is like, but I wonder if it's really as good as that behind the scenes. So yeah, if anybody's listening and they're doing, they think they are doing a fabulous job, please get in touch. I would love to hear more and share the good news that actually is achievable to, to get to that level of, <laughs> of, of data governance. So there we go. Gauntlet laid down. If you are the perfect data <laughs> business, then do reach out. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got these three elements, policy, process, and then roles and responsibility. Which one's most important or are they all equally important? How, how, where, where do you start, I guess, on that? So they are all um, they are all fundamental, um, and I I can tell you from my experience that if you ignore one of them, it it won't work, and over time it will start to fail. Yeah. But the most fundamental thing to start with is the roles and responsibilities, because I think a lot of organisations still, even these days where we're as you say much more data driven and data focused, believe that IT own the data because it's on systems that IT support and run, mm. and and that clearly isn't the case. So. You know, you have to have a lot of conversations with people and get them to change their mindset. And I think that's, I I say to a lot of people that actually the biggest challenge in data governance is the mindset change, the culture change we need to achieve. Mm. And, you know, and I have conversations with people where they'll say, well, no, I I clearly don't own the data. IT do. They they run the database that that data's on. Mm. And I'll say things like, so say you want to, to start selling a new product and the system that you, you have all your products on hasn't got enough fields or something because this is a unique special product yep will you pick up the phone to it and say can you bung some more fields on please because i got a new product and when it say which fields you go oh, i don't know whatever you fancy and they go well don't be so stupid nicola <laughs> clearly we wouldn't do that and i say you do own the data then because you're the ones that know what data do we need to capture in order to sell this product mm. so there's a, a very key difference there when when you're thinking about roles and responsibilities, the difference between, I guess, owning the data and perhaps owning the data warehouse or the database. Yes. Yeah. And I and I always have a role in my kind of frameworks for um, IT. And I generally, I, I call them different names for all the roles, for depending on the organization, because it's got to work for them. But generally, I'd say that IT are uh, data custodians, because that's a nice word that sums up what they do. They've got to look after it while it's in their care, and they've got to move it around and transform it in accordance with the business requirements. So it kind of makes it clear that the business should be explaining what they want done with this data, but IT have some responsibilities to actually do that. I like that. So you've got your data custodians. What are some of the other roles that you tend to find again? So the key one that I always like is a data owner. Okay. Or more than one data owner, to be fair. You're never going to have one data owner for all of your organization. Even if you were a relatively small retailer, you're not going to have one owner. So these are people who have to be really senior because they've got to have the authority and hopefully even the resources to to make decisions and make things happen as a result of that. So, mm. you know, these are senior people that have got that overview. And I and I know from from working with um, some retailers in the past, 
I, I naively went into the first retailer I ever worked with and said, oh, so we should have like a, a, a data owner for product data. And they looked at me though to say, you have no idea how we work, do you? Uh, you know, because we've got however many product categories and in that we've got subcategories and you're going, okay, so we need a number of data owners for product data. But what you need to do is is break it down in a way that works for you. Yep. You know, it could be a, a particular type of product or whatever, but it's often kind of the product managers that become what I call the data stewards and their bosses are the data owners. So the data owners are very senior, holistic, but then I want them to delegate to one or more data stewards who are the subject matter experts in that data. Right. Okay. So they're the people that tend to be using it on a day-to-day yeah, basis, I'm guessing? Absolutely, yeah. So um, one one client I'm thinking of, um, it was the the person that became the data steward was the person who had the relationship with the supplier. Right, okay. The person that would be asking for all that data about that product from the supplier. So they could then have that conversation about, it's really important that we have all the data in this format and it meets these requirements for us. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. So we've got our custodians, our owners, our stewards, anyone else? So um, there are three more roles. Okay. Um, I'll do the easy one next. So the easy one is if you're going to do data governance, whilst I, I believe it's very much done by the business users themselves, they do need some support. So you need a data governance manager or depending on the size of your organization, it might be a data governance team Yep. Uh, you know, to support that framework. So that's easy. And the other two are are kind of, they're easy to explain, but harder to actually make happen because they're data producers and data consumers. Okay. So that's kind of everybody in your company. Because <laughs> I would say that most people, maybe not the cleaner, but apart from that, most people either produce data or use data or probably do a bit of both. And to really make data governance work, we need all of those people thinking about data. Now, if you talk to anybody that works in a retailer, unless you're talking to the BI team or the data scientists, most of them will not say that data is part of their job. It doesn't even occur to them that data will be part of their job. Yep, definitely. I can imagine that. But to really start this data culture, everybody has to start thinking about the data in it. And I can understand it's really hard because as a retailer, you've got real things, real tangible products, and it's easy to concentrate on them and they're moving them from A to B and they're selling them and not the data around it. But the data around it has a really huge part to play in in that whole process. You know, and people don't think about how that goes wrong. I mean, I'm thinking of one one organization who the data was was wrong on the dimensions of a product. And it wouldn't actually fit into the warehouse when it was delivered. So it sat in the loading bay and it rained overnight and the product was ruined. Oh no, killer. And you know, so there's a cost, in, there's a real physical cost in this and people hadn't really realized how important it was to put the dimensions in the boxes correctly. And somebody had just done it quickly because nobody had ever explained to them how vital it was. It wasn't just a nice to know information. It was to do with the logistics of moving and, and storing these things. It's like that old story of uh, the US astronauts and the European astronauts or uh, rocket scientists doing the measurements in inches and centimeters, right? It's, that's the, the, the critical element of, of data governance to make sure that you've got the policies in place, you've got the processes in place, and people understand that they play a role in, in all of this. It's not just, you know, you're, you're doing your thing and like you say, data, oh, that's IT's job. <laughs> it's far more fundamental than that. Yeah. It wasn't a retail customer that's coming to mind, but I, I had a certain code at one organization that finance put in because the people who should put it in never did. 
And I, you know, I said, but how do you know that information? Well, we have to ring up the team and it's always at the end of the month when they're at their busiest and they have to go off and find the information and tell us and everything. And they always get really cross and stroppy with us. But we need this for regulatory purposes. And I went, oh, okay. So I went and spoke to the, the, the team's concerned and they just looked at me as though I'd got three heads and went, but it's our process to do that. Look, it's even in the manual. And they showed me the manual. It said, you don't hate to fill this in because finance do. And I went, but finance fill it in because you don't. <laughs> they were kind of going, <laughs> and it was only by doing, you know, putting in place data governance that we kind of opened up those kind of conversations. Because I think what you said was what, what triggered that memory is that everybody thinks it's somebody else's problem to worry about the data, but actually we all need to worry about it. And it's not good enough as a particular, as a consumer of the data, just to moan about those other people that don't put the code in or they don't put it correctly, or they put the dimensions in the wrong way around or, or whatever, because they're not telepathic. You need to go and talk to them mm. and explain to them why it's important that it's done in a certain way. And I think that's what having this framework of roles and responsibilities really starts opening up the possibilities for those conversations because you know who to go and talk to about it now instead of just moaning mm. that, you know, we've got the rubbish data again and it takes me you know, two days to clean up this data before we can use it every month or whatever. And, you know, we're, we're talking about silos all of the time in retailers and actually how do you knock down those silos and look up and downstream? And, and this is a perfect vehicle to help knock down some of those, uh, those classical silo walls and start thinking about where does this data come from? And where does it go to? Where, what, mm. what is this sort of data processing chain that exists within the organization? And am I doing my job right? I, I think I am. Am I serving my data customer correctly? I don't know. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what, you know, that's why we say like as a, as a producer, I, I don't expect you to be telepathic. So I expect the consumer to tell you their requirements. And, but you as a producer have a, a responsibility to do the data in accordance with those. Mm. We also gets a little bit more complicated than that because we have to have, this is what we have data owners for, because, you know, as a consumer, I could be unrealistic. I could say, I need this data hundred percent perfect. And you could say, that's just not feasible. But that's when we, we have grown up conversations <laughs> to decide that perhaps 90% is achievable and that will make my life a lot easier. And I can do my job properly as a result kind of thing. <laughs> Grown-up conversations. Wow. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> I have actually said that out loud to clients in the past where I actually meant, shall I facilitate a conversation and it's come out? Should we have a grown-up conversation? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to to rewind to something you've mentioned a, a few times in that last little bit about roles and responsibilities, and that is about the culture change mm. that is essential to start really thinking about data governance a little bit better. Tell me more. What, what's, what are we talking about here when we're talking about culture change to support effective data so i mean and i suppose it is going on what we're talking about is is everybody understanding that that data is a factor in their job and taking responsibility for that and there's a number of things you have to do and a lot of it you know i always say you've got to start from the top particularly when we think about it generally data producers tend to be fairly junior as a you know very generic sweeping statement but you know we can't expect them to be you know expected to take this mindset shift and and think about it all if their leaders are not doing anything about it so we want leadership right from the top and that might mean that you know if you're an exec and you're being given a report you start asking questions mm. you start walking the walk and you start saying how do i know that you've got the right data in this how do i know that this data is good enough to make this decision start challenging start asking those questions so i think that is good and i think 
Um, I mean, I, I did a whole webinar on this for a client yesterday, so that we, we don't have time to do all the content I did yesterday. But <laughs> of all the things that I would say that we really need to focus on after having that leadership, because you can't just expect everybody to do it if the leaders aren't walking the walk and actually doing it. Definitely. Is you've got to show value. I think, you know, some people get really excited about data governance and, you know, hopefully, you know, when, when I've spoken to them, I enthuse them about it. But you can't put data governance over everything. It is not worth it. It is too much effort. Mm. But what you need to do is to make sure that everything you do adds some value and is worth doing, which is why I quite often ask people to focus on what's the most critical data for them. And let's put data yep. governance on that first, or let's put more controls and more you know, perhaps data quality rules and checks on the most critical data. There might be other data that is useful, but we don't need to spend all that effort on it. So what you need to be doing is making sure that your efforts are worthwhile and that you're not doing this because I've convinced you to be a data governance geek and you want to write definitions for every single piece of data the organization has. You know, we'll just bog people down in writing definitions instead of doing their day job. But let's identify what's really important and do valuable things. And then you start getting people saying, oh, that's really good. Mm. And you know you're doing well if somebody comes to you and say, oh, you know how you helped finance save X thousand pounds or whatever? You know, why, why am I not getting any of that kind of saving? It was because you haven't engaged with me to do data governance yet. But yeah, I'll come and, come and help you do that. That's when you know you're really winning. Yeah, that makes sense. I can certainly relate to that in terms of thinking about where is the data going to be used and how important is that? You know, you touched on it earlier, companies that are shutting down parts of their business based on data. Better be bloody sure you're making that that data really top quality, absolutely trustworthy, high integrity, so accurate, because if you get that decision wrong based on a bit of a blooper. That's a that's a total nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, and I think you know that that kind of was was a nightmare. But I've got another customer who you know in a similar industry who actually the data last year made them realise they didn't need so many sites that they had. Mm. So they they closed down half of their sites. They were allowed to stay open last year, and they closed half of their sites just to try and save money because they expected the industry that they serve would be hugely impacted by the pandemic and therefore their their work would come. And and they actually managed to do a similar amount of turnover through half the sites. Wow. Last year. And so and it was by looking at the data and understanding the data that they suddenly went, we've had the wrong business model. We don't need to have sites in all the places that we thought we had to. That's incredible, isn't it? So there are good stories from data as well as the horror story. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Uh, thinking about some of the common challenges, the pitfalls, um, or perhaps even some of the myths, what, what do you come up against most as a challenge with data governance? I think, I think the biggest challenge is people just don't think the data is the top thing to worry about. Mm. You know, it, it's really hard to get people to understand that data's kind of supporting absolutely everything they do. And so they kind of go, oh, yeah, that sounds really good, Nicola. But, um, you know, in case you hadn't noticed, we're in the middle of a crisis at the moment and I got to focus on this. And you're going, yeah, yeah, but if your data was better, it would help you solve your problem, your current problems. So I think, you know, people often think it's a nice to do. That's always a challenge, which is why I said the bit about the, the policy in the early days of doing data governance. I always did it on a best endeavors basis and it would go well for a while and then yep. something would happen to derail it. So I think that's always a hard thing. The culture change is the hardest thing. But I think the other big pitfall that people um, fall into so many times is doing data governance as a project. They think it's a one-off. 
we can do this. And when it's over, I, you know, the number of times that people say to me is, how long will my data governance projects take? And I, I go, no, it's not a project. It, it, it's a program. It's an ongoing thing. So I said in the roles and responsibilities, you need to have a team. Mm. They'll be the only new roles that you have to appoint. Everybody else already exists in your company. We're just kind of starting to tap into it and understand this, collect, build this collective understanding of our data and managing the quality of it. Mm. But it's not a project manager that's doing this. This is a data governance manager and they will carry on and they will make sure that we continue to proactively manage our data and that we don't slip into bad habits. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's the biggest one, you know, people kind of expecting it to be a project. And I, I have been told it many times over the years is kind of, I can't wait until this project's over, Nicola, and you go away and stop bugging me and I can go back to how I used to do things. And we go, no, 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 it's not a project. <laughs> this is a change. This is a change management. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this is, we're changing to the right way. Yeah, you, you, you may want to have a project manager to help get it up and running, but there has to be that business as usual owner that is someone that is going to yeah. champion it and, and keep keep that fire alight. Definitely. And and just on that, briefly, if, if you're in an organization and you're like, I've never heard the term data governance before, how do I kickstart this conversation? You know, if I'm, if I'm perhaps a, a data owner, how do, how do I get this going in the in the business? Yeah, so I would say if it's the first time you've heard the term data governance today and you don't think it's going on in your organization, then probably best to go and ask about who worries about data quality. People tend to get right. their head around that term a lot easier and understand what's going on. Um, but to kickstart the conversations, I would try and find a senior person who's interested in the data. So if you have a chief data officer, they're the obvious candidate. Mm -hmm. And if they aren't already worrying about data governance, they should be. It should be on their plans kind of thing. Which you would hope they might be. <laughs> yeah, you'd hope so. Um, if you don't have a chief data officer, because not everybody does. And I... Yep. I've seen people do some really good things with data and they don't have a chief data officer. So whilst I'm a great supporter of the role, if you have one, don't despair if you don't. It doesn't mean you can't ever manage your data well. That's not true. Um, but you do need somebody senior who is going to be interested in it. And I would say it's, it's a difficult one. I um, I always say one of the other top mistakes um, is running data governance as an IT project for the reasons we've already <laughs> been discussing. Um, but sometimes it's your CIO because they can see the pain that poor quality data is. They're actually quite a good champion. Yep. And so one of my clients at the moment, all the work's being done by somebody who reports to the CIO. It's not ideal, but they're the only people willing to invest in it and get it going. And, and the right, plan okay. is we're going to convince the business and then hand it over to them. So don't rule out the CIO, even though I said it shouldn't be run in IT. The trouble is if you go to any one senior person they might be interested but only for them and you want somebody that's got that bigger picture so a coo is, is sometimes good mm. that kind of role has that more cross-organization view or sometimes even finance director because they can easily be convinced of the cost-saving benefits and that always makes a finance director happy yep that's a, a good good tip <laughs> <laughs> so um final question nicola as we're sort of beginning to wrap this conversation up Retailers are transforming in many, many different ways right at the moment. But why should retailers be transforming their data governance right now? I, th I think this is um, a, a perfect time to get your head around your data so that, you know, you not only survive these challenging times, but you can thrive because you can get insights from that data. So it's not just the cost savings and all the things we talk about. You can get 
fabulous insights in it that can help you plan your transformation to make the right decisions. So I really do feel that now is the right time for, for retailers to be embracing data governance if they haven't already, or, or if you're already doing data governance, data governance frameworks always need to evolve as your organization changes. And, you know, as we know, retailers are going through a lot of change at the moment. Mm. Now is it's absolutely critical that you take the time to reflect on your current data governance framework and is it doing what you need it to do? Is now the time to raise the bar or just change it slightly? Wise words there, because, you know, you look at these charts of data and it's just exploding, real exponential growth in the volume of data that companies are dealing with and managing with. And that means you need to play by different rules, have new policies, updated policies, additional processes, expanded roles and responsibilities. All of the different elements we've been discussing today need to be continually refined and revisited. Yeah, definitely. Well, Nicola, this has been a a fantastic conversation. How can people find out more? So um, on my website, um, there are loads of free resources, and that's just nicolaascom.com. And I also have a YouTube channel where I do very short videos of like two, three minutes answering just little questions. So if you have a particular question about data governance, there might be a video there that can help answer it really quickly for you. Perfect. That's absolutely amazing. And thank you so much, Nicola. You you are the data governance coach, and you've uh, you've you've given us some guidance through today to help get that data governance improved or perhaps even kick started. So I think this could be a big opportunity for retailers that really get a hang of it, so that they can move their data driven approach forward on solid ground rather than uh, perhaps some shaky ground. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Oliver. It's been great talking to you. Thanks so much. So I hope you enjoyed this little adventure into the world of data governance. It's a huge topic, as you can begin to understand, one that I think is going to become really important for your retail business as data becomes more prevalent, more widespread across all areas of the business. How do you know that you have got the right data and it's got the right level of integrity and accuracy? Because if you don't, you could make some really bad decisions. And Nicola has actually very kindly offered us a a data governance checklist to get started. So head over to the show notes page at obandco.uk slash 123. And you'll find the link over there, along with Nicola's contact info. Now, if you'd like to listen to a few more episodes, then do go and check out some of the other great data podcasts that we've had on recently. In episode 119, we were talking about predictive modeling. In episode 120, Ian Shepard, the author of The Average is Always Wrong, joined to explore about data and data science. And then another episode going back into the archives a little bit more. One of the episodes I really enjoyed putting together episode 53, which is called the Retail Transformation Menu. And that's going to give you a whole different suite of different transformation options to go after. So thank you for tuning in to this particular episode. If you know someone that should be listening to this episode, particularly this episode on data governance, then do tell them about it. Send them an email, send them a message. Goodness, even pick up the phone. (laughs) Do tell people about it. Um, I'm sure they would get a huge amount of value and hopefully we can stop you making some of the pitfalls that I don't really want you to be making. So do tell people about it. This is episode 123 of the Retail Transformation Show. 
Thanks for tuning in, and I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye. Bye.